Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. Major announcement alert. Major announcement alert. You guys, I've been talking about doing a live show for a long time, putting on a little entertainment thing. The time has come, and uh, I've got it set up, guys. Set your calendars. February 17th. It's a Monday. It's President's Day. I'm telling people, you guys need to ask off for work for February 18th and come prepared to party. This is going to be a good time. It's at the Rhino in North Kansas City. Uh, I will tell you soon how to get tickets for that. You can follow me on Instagram, NeanderTalkPod, and uh, <clears throat> I'll get the mo more information for you there. Basically, though, I've got Aaron Scarborough, Brandon Patrick, two hilarious comedians that have both been on the podcast. They're going to open the show with, uh, you know, they're each going to do their own comedic set. Then I'm going to have a podcast set up, like a table set up and doing a live podcast on stage with Sean Edwards. He is the movie critic for Fox 4. And then I've got Mokes. You know who that is? Who's that? Who's Mokes? Who does that again? That's Lou Rip and Lucid Flow. I got them performing. Guys. Guys, does it get any better than that? Does it get any better than that to have awesome music after the podcast? Oh, wait. I got another guest. Who is it? Shevin. Oh, my gosh. The music lineup alone. The music lineup alone is worth uh, is worth just coming to this thing. Uh, come prepared to drink. Have a good time. This is going to be something, uh, something you guys are going to want to be a part of, I think. I know. What am I saying? I think. I know. It's going to be a good time. I can't wait. February 17th, guys, at the Rhino, North Kansas City. Uh, so to the episode here, episode 84, we got Teresa, friend of the podcast. She's back. We talked last time forever over wine or something about her uh, social media influencer and that she was part of a viral campaign with McDonald's with all-you-can-eat fries. Well, a lot's happened since then. And she had a very, very close encounter with death. And uh, we get into that. I don't need to say any more. What more do you need to know other than we get to talk about her touching death in the face? Or vice versa. You guys have to find out. Listen more. Uh, guys, I'm pumped for this, for this event. Go follow me. Follow Teresa. Teresa Malley, M-A-L-Y. Episode 84. Let's let's I've talked long enough. I love you guys. Thank you all. Welcome to the Inner Talk Podcast. We'll know topic is off limits. Now here's your host, Mind Daddy, and Void a Soul. Oh, Thank you for coming to the Inner Talk. Charlie Hebdo. Welcome back, Teresa. Hey, what's up? Not much. Doing my thing. Same, same. No, uh, things have changed with you. Oh yeah, things have changed. Big, time. big things. Last time you were on here, we were talking about uh, you're a social media influencer, quote unquote, which we don't really like that term. <laughs> yeah, no. So things have really changed for me. Um, over the summer, uh, first weekend in August, I was in a car accident. 
I was T-boned by a drunk driver at the intersection of Armour and Main, for those of you in Kansas City who are listening. Oh, my. Yeah. I used to live on Broadway and Armour. Yeah, so you know right where I'm talking about, exactly like, kind of by the Enterprise. Um, yeah, basically, uh, we were T-boned, and what had happened was, had it hit, like, eight inches back, I was in the passenger seat, I was riding shotgun, my <clears> husband, <throat> Anthony, was driving, and then my father-in-law, Joe, was sitting in the back seat behind me, um... Had it been like eight inches back, it would have killed me on impact. And that is like the absolute last thing you want to tell someone when they wake up in the hospital and don't know what the fuck just happened. What happened? You just, you didn't, so you're just driving along? Yeah, so. Driving, all you know is you're driving along and the next thing you know, you wake up in a hospital? Pretty much. Really? Yeah, so we were coming back from the Nikki Glaser show up at Zona Rosa. She was at that comedy club. She's up there. hilarious. Oh my God, she's like top three favorite comedians. But I'm just gonna say it's really awkward to be to, at a comedy show with, with your, your parents. You don't. Well, do with that. my father-in-law, and she's like joking around about like one night stands and stuff like that. And my father-in-law, you could just like see his face changing. And Anthony and I are sitting there like clinging to our uh, Long Island iced teas like the whole time. Like, oh oh my, God, I would never. no. He was like, I could just see like the color draining from Anthony's face as we're sitting there. Oh, why would you guys do that? How did you not know better? Well, we didn't like, I don't know. We didn't like know what his level of chill would be with it. We're like, yeah, Nikki Glazer, we have free tickets. And I'll kind of get into like how we ended up at the, at the comedy show that day. And basically what happened was we were driving back from Zona Rosa. Inexplicably, for some reason, Anthony, instead of taking 71 to our house, which we kind of live by like Rockhurst, like the North Brookside area, um, he went through Westport and all of a sudden... The last thing I remember is uh, my father-in-law going like, oh, God. And I'm like, what? And I turned my head, something really dark. And I was like, oh, shit. And then all of a sudden, I don't remember anything else. I wake up in the ER and I don't know. Like, oh, my God. I don't know what my name is. I don't know what country I live in. I'm just I got knocked unconscious by an airbag. Um, but the gist of it was that from what we found out from the police report later, like a week or two later was. It was this girl picked up a guy on Tinder. They were at a bar in Westport hanging out. They decide to go home. They're not making this <clears> up. It's in the police report. Um, he sees a cop in Westport. He starts getting a little sketched out. And he ends up just basically tearing out of this gas station, driving erratically, runs a red light at like 70 miles an hour. We are going southbound. We're driving like down made towards our house. And all of a sudden we get T-boned by this guy. Both him and the girl jumped out of the car and they ran off on foot. <laughs> yeah it was just like come on guys and the worst part of it was they were dumb enough to leave their weed and um (laughs) and their driver's licenses in the car so they actually found the girl at the like in the hospital and there and she was like that's impossible my mom drove me here i hurt my hand i slipped in westport um and the mom was trying to claim well i don't know anything about this car accident i was at dialysis i'm like ma'am my mom has been on dialysis for two years now you don't get dialysis on midnight on a saturday night (laughs) i was just like what but yeah so from my perspective i see this dark eclipse coming at me everything goes black i i vaguely remember something about a light pole coming at me and i remember like kind of like guarding my face because i was just like oh fuck me martha this is it and then I wake up in the hospital and a cop is talking to me. Like, I guess I'd been like having conversations and stuff, but I wasn't making any sense at all. And then I finally kind of started like making sense about an hour later. And then I kind of, uh, it's just like this very sobering moment for you, even though you've been drink. I, I'd been drinking since like 9am that day. Cause my father you weren't driving were, big deal. No, I wasn't driving. And right. I, I know like I was in like such a mood that day, like something like, like, 
I something was really bothering me that day. So I was just like, wake up, White Claw, wake up, let's go to the bar in West Plaza, let's start drinking. Inexplicably, I bought like $30 worth of barbecue sauce that day. I was just, like, <laughs> I was just getting it popping from like 9 a.m. that day. And then at the end of the day, I was like, oh shit, here I am. I am in this car accident. I can't move. I can't walk. Um, they thought I had internal bleeding and I'm like bruised up everywhere. And I'm like, what just happened? Please explain to me how I got here. How long were you passed out for or whatever? So I've kind of, I asked that question to my family. <clears throat> when, well, when do you, well, like how long was it from you going, oh shit, I'm about to get hit by this thing to being talked wake, awake and kind of coherent? I think they considered me to be conscious pretty quickly, but I don't remember anything. Right. Um, so probably about an hour or two, like I was just knocked and knocked around. And then I remember this one nurse, I don't know why, even though I had like a fall risk band, she let me try to get up and go to the bathroom and I fell. Of course. I couldn't hold myself up. I had like a panic attack in the like CT scanner. Like I was just like, it was basically like you dropped your iPad in water. That was my brain for like a week. That's freaking me out that yeah, is it was so, so scary how scary is that it's really scary like, then like getting t-boned by a drunk truck like that is just one of the oh. yeah so that's bad it's, it's is bad it- it's bad at this point um i couldn't walk for a week so i actually got out of the hospital the next morning i don't know why do you remember like the ambulance or anything getting pulled out of the car or like so I what had, was going on at all? I guess not. huh? So I remember like two things that kind of come up like I would dream. I kept having dreams about it. And we'll kind of get into that. I started having like PTSD dreams. Oh. And one of the dreams was I got out of the car and couldn't hold up my body weight. Like I had no ability to balance. And I just remember like the red and blue lights of the cop car. And then like they were swirling. And apparently what had happened was, uh, according to my father-in-law, I had gotten out of the car and I immediately like couldn't hold myself up, fell into a firefighter. I'm like, well, that's a great place to fall. Fantastic, <laughs> muscular firefighter. <laughs> and uh, then they sat me down on the curb and I apparently was making no sense. I was like, I really want my parents was like the first thing I kept saying. I kept repeating, like, I want my mom and dad. Can you call my parents? I know it's really late. My mom and dad might be asleep. You can call my Annie Lane. And like I'm telling this paramedic, like, call my aunt in Sioux City, who's also probably asleep because this makes sense. And I apparently just kept saying, I want my mom and dad. Can you call them? Call my Annie Lane. Like just really random shit over and over. And then like being like, where's Anthony? Why am I not home? Where are my cats? I started asking like really bizarre questions while I was waiting for the ambulance. And like originally they were going to take me by ambulance. And then they're basically like, get this bitch in a car. <laughs> like for lack of a better term, they put me in there. And then I remember something else about um, I kind of came to and I look up and there's like this blonde paramedic above me and they're like hooking me like they're I think they were putting like an IV in me or something. Mm-hmm. And that's and then I kind of went back out for a bit. Like I, I would randomly dream about this. Oh, my gosh. That is so freaking scary. <laughs> yeah. That is so scary. Every bit of every bit of it. I, I just I've never had. Oh, I've been in one accident when I was in maybe a freshman. We were just a couple. Mm-hmm. There was, we were all kids. We just got our license. It was my buddy driving. We got done fishing in the middle of the country on a gravel road, and there was birds, and he was kind of trying to hit the birds, but not really, mm-hmm. but just goof around, got too fast. We fishtailed and flipped and rolled over. I remember not getting knocked out upside down, and we had to crawl out, but nothing like what you experienced. That's Yeah, and I, you know, I'd been in a couple fender benders where it was like I could just shake it off, or <clears> I had a sore neck or something, but nothing like... I get out of the hospital and I have to spend a week watching Parks and Rec and basically sitting on my couch until Anthony would come home from work to go to the restroom because I couldn't walk. And for context, I think this is where my race thing was born. I was so mad. 
So in my living room at the time, my couch, like you have to like, there's my living room, my kitchen, and then there's like a half bath on my first floor. And so it's, I literally counted this out this morning. It is 10 steps from my couch to the spare bathroom. But if I wanted to go to the restroom, I couldn't hold my body weight up and I couldn't put any weight on my hips because of the way like the impact had hit me. So I would have to wait until someone came home or a friend came over or something, or eventually it was, I was able to like prop myself up on the couch, kind of walk over put my hand on the counter, walk along the counter, and then, like, push myself off of my, like, kitchen like, counter all into the bathroom. Was, and that made me really mad. I was like, because of some drunk driver and some girl <sighs> and guy who couldn't take responsibility for what they did and ran on foot, I'm off of work for a week. I'm basically a basket case who can't even be trusted to check email or anything. Um, and I can't even walk to the bathroom, which I could like literally do when I'm drunk and I could crawl if I were dr- like that drunk or something like that. I can't. And I was so angry that week. At them? At the, oh, I was at so the, mad at was them. Was it the guy or the girl that was driving? It was, it was the a guy. guy. But I was also mad at them. And I was, it's like, you know, I almost wish like woman to woman, I could talk to the girl. I'm like, you know, I get it. Like you wanted to go home. You found this guy. That's fine. Whatever. But it's like, if you do something wrong, own up to it. And that's like one of my biggest pet peeves in life. Like you can make huge mistakes, but you need to own up and say, sorry, you need to own up and like take the consequences. If you do something bad, you ran down an alley and had your mom take you to a hospital and then you lied about it. And that really like on an ethical level, that really bothered me. And I started getting really angry really quickly about that. And then there's this other part for me that was like, you know, going back to, you know, 9 a.m. White Claws, you know, sometimes I was having one of those days where you like, you know, I'd had a really rough go of it about three, four years back. And like normally for me, I'm able to compartmentalize it or in my case, I'm able to channel that into like creativity and social media. It means I can channel it into like professional like excellence and speaking opportunities. That's a skill. Yeah. Like I can like Russian gymnast it like basically catalyze it into making it into something else and making myself more successful. But it was like every once in a while, like the water of that, it was like flood water. It would just like creep up to my feet. And that day, like I was, I was feeling it big time. And so like any well-adjusted adult, the first thing I did was I got up, I wanted bottomless mimosas. I wanted to start drinking. I wanted to go buy barbecue sauce. I was in a mood. And I was even like big mad at FedEx. I was like going to start a fight with like a FedEx driver. And Anthony's like, you need to dial it back. He's like, let's go do something fun. You know what (laughs) would make you feel so much better? Let's go to the Nikki Glazer show. And so being able to like backtrack and see that, you know, I'd almost gotten myself to like in a very abstract sense, had gotten myself into that situation where it was like, you know, why was I in the car? Because we went to the Nikki Glazer show. Why were we at the Nikki Glazer show? Because I was in a really bad mood. Why was I in a bad mood? Because I hadn't dealt with some stuff from my past and I never really dealt with any of the grief or anything like that. So I like recognize that piece of it, too. And so I think are you making some kind of moment? You remember the movie Memento? No, Mem- actually. OK, never mind. Are you trying to are you are you replaying every little step back to making this your fault? Like, oh, no. I did all of this and then it led up to me getting hit. Oh, my God. So this is actually <laughs> like that's what I went through. I like one day Anthony came home from work and I was like, how did I get here? And he was like, you're on the couch. Like he took it. He's a very literal person where I'm much more abstract. And I was like, how did I get here? And he was like, well, there was a car accident. And like I'm like, no, 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 no. How did I get here? And I kind of moved my hands like this. And he's like, you know, you've had a lot of stuff happen to you in the past few years. And like, you've made so much good of it. But he's like, it's okay to take care of yourself. And it's okay to like, you know, let yourself feel things. And it was kind of like me. I had this moment of like, okay, I, I get that now. And so by this point, um, those two things kind of converged in my head. And for some reason, my concussion brain injury brain said, let's try to run a 10K in about seven weeks. 
and I said this offhand to Anthony I'm like you know maybe I like I meant to do something good with this like maybe I'll like run like run a race in the Kansas City Marathon he's like you are not running a marathon I'm like no that's dumb I couldn't train for that even under ideal conditions I know that on any given day I can run a te- like a 5k like three miles I can huff my way through it that's easy yeah. and I've always wanted to do a 10k but I kept like life would get in the way or work would get in the way and I would never train for these races and um, I'm like I want to train for this 10k it's in October and I'm not going to raise money to do it because I'm like, I'm going to offset the bad that the two people who hit us did because I'm going to raise money for the Kansas City Prep Project and I'm going to do it. And my goal is to raise like get 20 of my friends to donate anything, knowing that a lot of my friends, you know, maybe they have good jobs, but they maybe have a lot of debt or they don't have a ton of money because they have kids. I'm like, even five dollars. I want to get 20 of my friends to buy into this with me and donate money to this cause for Kansas City Pet Project. And I'm going to start running. And, and I'm like, I think I can do this. And he's like, well, maybe you should take a slow. I'm like, no, I can do this. And he had this moment and he, he just like heaved aside and he looked out the window and he's like, here she goes again. She's going to go do something almost like I was taking like these bad things in my environment and I was turning them into something good. It's almost like, you know, in Back to the Future where Doc Brown, like he takes trash and he like shoves it in the DeLorean. He's like, look, this is fantastic. We can make <laughs> fuel out of this. I was turning these bad things into fuel, but I also knew I wanted to come out the other side of it and I wanted to work on myself and make myself a better person by the end of it. So there's a lot. That's a lot there. You said a whole lot in one breath. How do you do it? I don't know. <laughs> um, what th- that seems like that would go against, you know, medical doctor's recommendation seven weeks to do a 10 K after that kind of accident. I'm trying to think, was it seven weeks? It would have been when I came up with this, this would have been the second week of August. And I think I ran it third week of October. It's probably like two months, give or take. So two months after the accident or when you decided you want like how much further? I think, I think it was two months. I think I actually counted it out. It's roughly two months. And but I wasn't also for context, I wasn't able to walk for like a week and a half. That's what I'm saying. How did the. Uh... Um, so the ironic part was what was make, what was keeping you from walking? Was it your brain or was it like- both? I had a hard time keeping my balance. And I also um, I had a lot of internal bruising. So my stomach, it was extended. I looked like I was 30 pounds heavier than I actually wow. was because of the swelling from the seatbelt. So I had this oh, perfect yeah. bruise all the way around my body. And I had to have a Ooh. CT scan because they're like, we think you have internal bleeding. But I had severe bruising. I had like a hematoma like it was, it oh. was a mess. Like saved I your never, life though. It saved my life. And they actually told me, you know, I have like, I'm not, I don't have abs. I don't have a flat stomach, but I, I lift and I like, I'd run and I do cycling classes. They told <clears> me that between my stomach fat and the fact that I have a pretty solid core underneath, that's actually what protected my organs. My muscles locked, protected it. But then I had a, like a little like trampoline bounce with my stomach fat. And I'm like, I never thought that like my beer gut would be a beautiful <laughs> thing in this case. And then but I think it kind of speaks to the fact of, you know, you can be in shape and you can be in healthy, but you don't need to be like Jillian Michaels, like abs, super skinny. It's just like when it comes down to it, do you have an, like, are you functionally well? And in that case, I was. Did you go after Jillian Michaels because she just went after Lizzo? Yeah, I don't. So Jillian Michaels, love her workout tapes. But my thing, <laughs> my thing about her is I don't think she has any business talking about like bigger people, especially after the way she treated people on The Biggest Loser. Like so many of those people have like lifelong like physical injuries because of like the way she trained them. And she wasn't teaching them to have rest days or, you know, they would lose 200 pounds and then they ended up gaining it back plus some and they have like long term metabolic and like 
autoimmune issues now and also just like the way she talks to people so it's like on one hand I'm like come on Jillian and but on the other part I'm like yeah this is on brand for her the way she treats people and so I just kind of like you know Lizzo should just brush it off because that's just who she is do you think there's a place well I don't know anything about Jillian Michaels really I just know what she looks like I didn't even know she was on the Biggest Loser coach imagine, until just the other day. Imagine Liz. a very angry Chihuahua as a personal trainer. Okay, that's how I would describe her. Okay, is she? Does she do like fat shaming type stuff? Yeah, she really does. And I think one thing that I was once told by that's controversial. Yeah, it's a little controversial. And I'm also someone who believes, and this is something that a nutritionist told me: is you can't shame someone into losing weight or being healthier. You have to like go in the opposite direction. You need to empower them and help them make better choices and lifestyle changes. But yelling at them and making them feel worse doesn't actually solve like the core issues. I think it works for some people. I think that's why it's controversial. I think some people they get need that. fat. Some people get fat shamed into mm-hmm. into getting back into, into getting into shape. Especially men. I think mm-hmm. more men than women, probably. Yeah, maybe so. And I think women, like, I think we internalize it differently. <clears throat> mm-hmm. As instead of just being like, you know, this is an attack on my body, it's an attack on my entire existence. And so I think that's why I'm like, I don't, I'm not really a big fan of her methods. I don't think it's the right direction to look in. I don't think it solves the root cause. But yeah, if it works for some people, it does. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't fat shame, really. Yeah. yeah, you know, my thing about body positivity is like someone asked me about this recently, like, oh, are you body positive? Are you not? And I'm like, I'm always in a state of self-improvement. And I'm also someone who advocates for you should be loved as you are. Like you should be loved today. You should be able to find clothes today, no matter what size you are. And those are real issues, because even if you lost 200 pounds, you still need to find a pair of jeans or a dress that looks good on you today. So I see a lot of I understand a lot of those issues around like, you know, representation of plus size women in the world, not just in media, just like everyday woman in the checkout counter next to you at Target. And but I'm also a really big believer, one, in self-improvement and two, if you can exercise and eat healthy, let your body land where it lands. Some people are meant to be bigger. Some people are meant to be smaller. But if you can make those gains for your heart or you can make those gains for your health, go ahead and do it regardless of whether or not you lose weight or if you're ever like a size six or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a touchy subject. It right? really is. Yeah. I, I, I don't I don't hate on fat people. I just feel bad for them. And I wish people weren't fat because I grew up with us. Uh, you know, my grandparents were influential in my life and they were heavy set. And I mm-hmm. just saw just saw all the troubles that it was that they had just doing basic things. I was like, if you weren't so overweight, we would we could have a better relation, you know, right. a, a more fun. You're just like. Just a better relationship as far as, you know, we mm-hmm. can do more things. Um, and I just see how much pain and how hard it is to live when you're older and you're fat. Mm-hmm. It's I, a rough, rough life. You know, it's and, rough. And you st- Oh, I just, know. Definitely. And I, I kind of mentioned this earlier before we were recording. My mom is actually having heart bypass surgery mm-hmm. tomorrow. And she's had a stroke and she's on dialysis. And a lot of that comes from like... Um, type 2 diabetes and genetics and I think it was just kind of like a quadruple whammy for my mom and I kind of look at my parents sometimes and this is really funny but um, so my parents were down this week my mom had some testing on Thursday pre-op testing at KU so that she was able to you know pre- be prepared for tomorrow morning's bypass surgery and my dad was like why don't you eat fried food like why is everything in your house non-dairy does everything you eat have to have spinach and I almost wanted to say like I'm not going to be in my early 60s 
having surgery, being on dialysis. And that's not a knock on my mom. My mom and dad are two of the most, like they are the most influential people in my life. But I think in the terms of generational gains, I look at my parents, I look at some of my cousins, I look at my grandparents. So many of my people, so many people in my family fight type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. So I don't care if I look like the hottest Instagram influencer. I don't care if I have flat abs, but I want to know that whenever I get my labs pulled, I know that I have great blood pressure. I don't have problems with cholesterol. I know that I can run six miles if I have to. I know if that if I'm in a car accident, the muscles and my fat, I have enough in my body and I have enough strength to recover from that and protect my organs. So I think like the sense of always needing to be thinner after the car accident, kind of coming back full circle, it really stopped for me because I know that like I'm always going to be striving for self-improvement. I know that I'm very healthy. I know that when I got my blood pressure checked earlier this week, it was 110 over 78. So I know I'm a really healthy person and I'm going to continue making those choices that enable my body to be able to be healthy and protect myself in the case of just whether it's a cold or whether it's a car accident. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think people have to be shredded and super in shape. I just think people just shouldn't be self improvement, like morbidly obese. It's just, it's just, you know, do what you want. It's fine, but it's just what a shitty life you're gonna have when you get older. Ugh. Yeah, I I think about Mindy Kaling. Like one time she posted an Instagram photo of herself, and like if you've seen Mindy Kaling, like she's not thin, she's not overweight, she just kind of is what she is. And she was talking about like, hey, yeah. Thick. T-H-I-C-C. <laughs> but she was talking about like, I ran my fastest mile ever. And something in the Instagram caption, it said, I don't care if I ever get thinner. I don't care if I lose weight, but I care that I am consistently making gains. Like I ran a mile 10 seconds faster than I did a year ago. Sweet. Or I ran faster. And I, I like that idea of constantly trying to be healthier, making good choices and always trying to make incremental gains over time. Heck yeah. Yeah, so I think that's where I think maybe that was the mindset I've always been. You've always been, been in. like that? You've always just wanted to improve yourself? Or when did it start? Like, was there. A- so, I don't know. So, I ended up in counseling after the car accident. We actually, like, really digged into this topic, kind of going back to what I said from to a deal few with years PTSD. Ago. Deal with PTSD, deal with some stuff that had happened. And to kind of backtrack to 2016 a little bit, basically, in a month's time, my entire personal life got nuked. And basically what happened was, uh, you know, my personal life was in complete disarray. Um, my grandma passed away. And during the middle of this, I decided it'd be a brilliant idea to go work at a startup in St. Joe. This little agency didn't have benefits. McDonald's. I started right. working on that. And that went viral two weeks right, after I started. eat fries. That's right. <laughs> Ironic. Uh, <laughs> it was like, so this last week of March 2016 looked like, on Monday, I had a phone interview in my car in a parking lot in Atchison for this job at this agency. Tuesday, my mom calls me. I'm driving to work at Atchison, and she's like, hey, you got to go up to Sioux City. You got to go say goodbye to your grandma. And then Thursday, I had my in-person interview for that job. Friday, good Friday, my grandma passed away. Monday, I get the job. Tuesday, I put in notice. Friday is... Um, is the funeral. And then the next Friday after that was my last day at my job. I was working at um, Benedictine College in Atchison at the time. And then I'm also just like I'm trying not to face like if I turn around and look at my personal life, it is just like a dumpster fire with 20 like 20 foot flames at this point. I don't know what to do about it. And so I'm like, what's the best thing I could do? Let me just like start this new job at an ad agency. It's like an eight person agency in St. Joe. No benefits. Didn't even really make that much more money at this job. But I'm like, you know what? This seems like a brilliant idea and a solve to all my problems. Let's turn over a new leaf. And I never really dealt with it because instantly that campaign went viral 
and I'm trying so to So you've just out. been focused more on your professional I life, on huh? It. Yep, I focused on my professional okay. life 100%. I took it, channeled it into that. And a couple months after that, my mom had her stroke. Never really dealt with that. I just channeled ev- all of my energy into that. And I never, mm. it was like I put all those feelings from that month. I shoved them in a box, shoved them in a closet, never thought about it. But inexplicably, like I almost think like divine timing, I'd open that closet for some reason and that box fell out, hit me in the face, gave me a bloody nose. Ah. I was mad about it. I was ah. like, at first I was like, why am I bothered by this? Why am I so upset about this? Like, why why am I even thinking about this? Um, so I, that's why I started coping. I started drinking as soon as I woke up. I didn't really know what to do. And I recognized that. I'm like, what was your drink? Ooh, I think I started with a truly. I had a shower truly. Basic white bitch. Oh, base, basic white bitch. Like, I just owned it. <laughs> then we went. We had mimosas. There was Long Islands. We went to Woodside. We, we were at the pool. We were drinking. Like, I remember the week after Is your husband act- getting down with this? Oh, yeah. He was getting down with this, yeah. too. We were Ubering. And then, yeah, like, you guys are living the life. And I then like he it. he stopped drinking at, like, two. He's like, well, I have to drive up north. We're not paying for an Uber. And then, like, I'm just getting lit. We're buying barbecue sauce, bought a bunch of soap. And I remember the week after the accident, like, I don't know if it was because of the accident or because of how much I had drank that day. I was like, when did I buy, like, $50 worth of Zoom soap? Like, what happened? Like, why do we have, like, 12 bottles of barbecue sauce? I don't remember. And my friends were like, yeah, you were Snapchatting us the entire time. (laughs) I kept FaceTiming my friends, Seth in Florida. Like, I was just having a good time. You're a good time. I was lit basically yeah (laughs) and so then like but when I kind of came to the week after I started thinking about like who I was that day and I was like I never really dealt with this stuff gotcha and I need to I need to stop like you know I'm gonna quote Jason Kander here he has this article that Jason Kander politician yes Kansas politician Missouri politician politician? youngest secretary of state Hmm. and if you if you haven't heard about Jason Kander he was the youngest secretary of state in Missouri and then he Um, he was going to run for mayor of Kansas City and then he dropped out of the race and said, hey, I was in Afghanistan. I have PTSD and I really need to deal with it. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yes. And so he wrote this article for Crooked Media, which is the parent company that does a lot of like Pod Save America and a lot of those political podcasts. And he wrote this article that basically ended with, um, you need to stop running from your trauma. It's faster than you and it'll always outrun you. The best thing you can do is to turn around and confront it. And finally, I was like, fine, I lose. I'm turning around and confronting this. And so I also knew that I was having nightmares. I was having trouble sleeping after the accident. Like, I still, to be honest, struggle with being in a car. I don't like being a passenger in a car. Uh, Yeah. I have to drive everywhere. I get that. That happened to me after that accident. You're just, like, real touchy. Like, every time something comes at me sideways, I'm, like, freezing. And it's really bad. There's only a few people I feel really safe in a car with. And so I'm like, fine. Not only am I going to try to recover and run this race, but I'm going to try to recover and I'm going to try to start addressing things long term. So I basically went on the United Healthcare website. I found a counselor that took my insurance and I went in knowing I'm like, yeah, I probably have like PTSD. Mm-hmm. So I went in, sat down, told her everything. And I basically just went on much like this, to be honest, a 45 minute long rant. I'm like, here's all the things that have happened to me. Here's all the ways I didn't cope. I don't know what to do. And now I'm trying to run this race. And she's like, okay, we can, t- we can work with this. So that's kind of where I got started. So I was going to a counselor and I started trying to run. That didn't go well at first. Were you a runner beforehand? So kind of. I ran cross country badly in high school. I like to well, run. How far? I've, I've been asking this. Nobody, I don't think, has given me a good answer. How, in cross country, how far do you run? Like what it's is basically a 5K. Okay. But you run longer training runs and you run a lot of fartleks, which are basically fast, slow, fast, slow. And you basically try to condition yourself to be able to run faster. 
across different types of terrains. I'd like that. Oh, it's fun. I love trail running. I found out. Yeah, I'd like to try some trail running. I, I just I just go I just run on the streets, you know. Me too. I actually ran most of my training runs. I run the part. streets, motherfucker. <laughs> run these motherfucking streets. <laughs> Literally, and they would just be like you, like a video of you like jogging <laughs> along with AirPods or something. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> oh yeah, when you run, do you wear headphones or no headphones? I am pro headphones. I have to jam out. I have to have the perfect playlist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever tried it without? Can't do it. I so I don't hard. know what it is. I can't. You get in your head. You get afraid. I, yep, you get I afraid get of your head. thoughts. Well, I also think it distracts me, and I, I swear I have ADD or something. I love that every three minutes the song is going to change. Yeah. So it's always something to look forward to. Like, in three minutes, I have, like, a new mental scenery. So it's like I can go from a rap song to, like, Brothers Osborne or something, and it'll change music, and it's completely different. I feel something different. My pace changes. I might want to pick up my pace or slow down. Hmm. So... Okay, so against uh, so was it against medical recommendations that you do this, or were the doctors saying your body's fine? Go ahead and start training. So, interestingly, the week before, I had scheduled a doctor's appointment with my um, family practice doctor. I have um, Dr. Damon Haybrock. He's at Health Studio Kansas City. It's a direct primary care doctor. He sponsors the show. Really? No. <laughs> I was like, wow, full like small world, but. Uh, I had, but he can for the low, low price. So just hit me <laughs> up. I, I will tag him on Instagram <laughs> in this. But um, I had scheduled an appointment with, appointment with him to talk about my anxiety for the Tuesday after the accident. And so I had this appointment scheduled, and I basically had to hobble my way in here like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> like, nice. Sweatpants. I haven't showered since Saturday morning. And I'm just like, the ring. <laughs> and I like, come in. And I told him my idea. And this is before I even pitched it to Anthony. And I said, what if I ran a 10K? And he kind of looks at me weird at first. And he's like, you know, he really advocated for active recovery, like start easing back in. And he was like, what his first fear was, he's like, I can tell by your personality and the way you talk, you're going to try to do too much too fast. Right. And he's like, I don't want you to do that. And so he gave me he gave me his blessing to run a, run 6.25 miles at the end of October, provided that I could like you know, hit these different checkpoints along the way and that I would check in with him and that his door was always open if I just wanted to come in and talk through any injuries. But he's like, go very slow, active recovery, take ice baths, don't be afraid to stretch out, text me if something comes up. So it was very, he really hit home the idea of active recovery, but more Mm -hmm. the idea of please, for the love of everything, check in with me the moment you have a problem. And so he very much guided me along the way every time I had a problem. So well, when so now you've you're starting to mentally prepare for it and and get the go ahead. How long after the accident was your first laced up your shoes and went out for your first train? I want to say run. a little under two weeks, and okay. it was the worst run of my life, but the one I'm the proudest of. So nice. I live right by Rockhurst, and my idea was I want to run a mile. It would take me normally I run about a nine minute mile. So I started from my house. I would for cut. just one mile, or is that your or is that your pace? Usually, I run about like a nine, nine, ten mile as a race pace, and so I'm like, I can run like a nine minute mile, maybe a little slower, like nine forty five. Boy, was I in for a reality check. Yeah, it took me like twelve minutes and thirty seconds, but it's I not ran. Bad. Basically, I ran a half mile out of my house and ran back. So nice. I ran yeah, yeah. from my house through Rockhurst campus, up the street, went to Go Chicken Go's parking lot. My Mecca, if you know how much I love Go Chicken Go. Oh. Turned around, ran back to my house. 
thinking i don't know why i thought this that the it would be a downhill back through rockhurst campus it was but back up like that last block to my house is actually an uphill so i run the half mile i'm like i actually don't feel too bad my hip was kind of bothering me i could feel my core engaging that hurt pretty bad and i turn around and i come back and i start getting up that hill and it's like for context it's the middle of august it's 100 degrees i am sweating buckets gross it was gross it was the most miserable run i got home Got to my front yard, threw up in my front yard, yeah, and my nice. na- my new neighbor pulls in, and I barely <clears> talked <throat> to her. And now she and I are friends, but I just like f- profusely throw up in my yard. Anthony comes home, he's like, "You look like a cat hairballing." And I'm like, <laughs> Help me! You need to call Doctor Damon. He's like, "No, you just need a glass of water." And so right. he basically helps me back into the house. And I don't tell anybody at this point that I'm running. My parents didn't know. My Perfect. coworker and my boss, who I'm actually close to, There's no don't need know to tell anybody because they would tell me I'm crazy. So the next day, I'm thinking it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the next, a couple days later, it basically felt like I did two CrossFit sections back to back at this point. At this point, I try to run a mile again and I fail. Also, because after it's how long? Two days. Okay. Couldn't do it. So then I I do it. And so basically every night after work or every other night, depending on how I was feeling, I would run from my house to go chicken go and back. And then eventually I wanted to try to run too. So I'd run to go chicken go back to my house and then I would do a south loop back towards like like 60th and Paseo and then kick back because that's another half mile. It took me until probably right around labor day to be able to hit two miles and it felt like i had just run a marathon it was miserable partially because of the temperature i'm not like i like hot weather i'm from iowa basically our main exports are corn corn soybeans and humidity but this was something else like my body wasn't acclimated to it whatsoever my body wasn't prepared for it it sucks yeah so it took me for like so it was labor day and i finally ran two miles and that was my goal i want to be able to run two miles by labor day and i could that was your goal and you met it. Okay. Yeah. So nice. one recommendation I would give to people listening to this is if you're ever going to train for a race and you are basically going from I can't walk to I need to run six miles in about two months is work backwards. So if you know that you can run zero miles today, the second week of August, and you know that in October you have to run six, find the midway point. So the midway point was by mid-September. I needed to be able to run three, between three and four miles. I was shooting for four because I would do a 5K. You need to do a 5K at that point, right? Yeah, you need. I needed to be able to do a 5K at that point. And so I had to work towards, first, I want to be able to run two miles by Labor Day. That gives me another two weeks to ramp up to three. Mm-hmm. And if by the beginning of October I can run four, that means I now have the cardiovascular and like the muscular ability to run longer distances. So then I can start working towards five and six. So I started like bouncing like four, four and a half, five, four, four and a half, five. My other piece of advice would be schedule your runs. I literally put them in my work outlook calendar. Like today is two miles. Today is 2.2 miles. And that that was basically how I scheduled it. And I had to backtrack all the way out to the race. Did you keep w- running the same route? So the shorter distances I would run, primarily my neighborhood, I would do the go chicken go is what I called it, mm-hmm. or go Teresa go is what <laughs> Anthony nice. started I calling it. it. Nice. And I would run this route, like basically go chicken go and back. And then if I needed extra mileage, I would start heading south towards like 60th Street at this point. But then after a while, I started one getting bored because as I joked, I kind of have ADD and I need that scenery change. It does. Change. It gets boring. That's it gets really boring. For, yeah. Any runner knows like you can't do it. Yeah. So I was like. I need to be able to run longer distances and I don't want to be bored. I don't want to end up in a neighborhood that's unsafe either. Um, so I was like, what if I went and ran at Loose Park, which is basically a giant 1.4 mile loop if you run the outside of it. 
The also the benefit of loose park is it's a basically like a giant kidney bean. It's basically a valley. So you run up a hill, you run a little bit down, you run up, you run down. So after I had looked at the um, race path, I knew that I had to be prepared to run hills. I can't just keep running this flat, relatively flat terrain that mm-hmm. I was running. So if I prepared myself by constantly running hills, my body would be acclimated to it and I'd be ready for it. And I wouldn't be shocked by a big hill. So I started and then one of the things I learned too was running like by myself and not letting anybody help me was the worst thing I'd done. And that was like, that was the worst thing that that would be the worst thing I could do was to just like let myself try to depend on myself too much. Because if I had taken a lesson from like those harder times a few years ago, basically having to depend only on myself and like, you know, honestly, I didn't really have sometimes a ton of support for what I was going through it and the other half of it was I wasn't really able to let anyone in and help me. I didn't want to put myself in that hard position again where you're carrying all this weight on yourself and blaming yourself. Finally, I reached out to one of Kristen's friends um, from Open the Doors podcast. And I, and I know she's in a lot of running clubs. Her name is Lauren. And I really only knew her from Twitter and the social media club of Kansas City. And I said, hey, I'm trying to run the 10K of the Kansas City Marathon. I want to start doing some group runs. And so I had to... I did not like the idea of this. I'm someone who doesn't want to, I don't want people to see me running a really slow paced mile. And I don't want people to see me like failing at this. But I was like, I have to let someone help me and I have to get out of this rut. So I started doing Tuesday night runs um, from Crossroads Hotel. It's like a four mile loop and it's like a group of local runners who are affiliated with Run 816. So I was really letting Lauren be my sensei in this case of, you know, meet these other people in running clubs and letting her help me when I started having problems at longer distances. What kind of problems would you have? Um, so the first one I had was I started getting really tired, which you're like, yeah, obviously you're running a long distance and trying to recover from a car accident at the same time. So that's a little bit of a given. But um, I started wearing out after two miles and I struggled in hotter temperatures. And finally, sure. <laughs> um, letting some of the long distance runners in my life in because one time the first time I tried to run five miles it was a Sunday it was late September I want to say and it was just miserable hot not a cloud in the sky no wind it was like the worst conditions and I failed after two and a half miles and I was very very angry with myself and so what I said was I have to let more people help me so I literally posted on Facebook and this is I'm someone who doesn't want to admit when I'm struggling or admit when I fail but I said I'm having trouble running longer distances and I keep struggling in hot temperatures. What do I do? And I let my cousin's husband who's ran like grandma's marathon. He's qualified for the Boston marathon. Um, I let Joel help me and my old boss, his name was Matt when I lived in Minnesota and I worked at a college. And the first two things they said was, can we see your heart rate information? And you're not drinking enough water. You need to get a backpack. And I'm like, I am not wearing a backpack for a four to five mile run. I'm not looking dumb. And Matt leveled with me and he said, you're not running under normal conditions. You're running under accident recovery conditions. You're going to need more water and you're going to need to um, basically mitigate risk against like inflammation because that's when your body's going to start hurting and that's when you're going to wear out faster. You need water and you need electrolytes. So when they said a backpack, do you need one of those camel packs? I literally had to wear a camel pack for okay. most of my runs. So if I well, I've run never over- done that. That's what I need to do because I-, I can't go more than like 10 miles is about what I can go. Because that's all the water I can carry because I just carry one water bottle. Yeah. So for me. That's not smart. So for me, it was like the after about four miles. That's when I start need. That's when I started needing water. 
And they also <clears throat> looked at my pace information. And remember me saying, like, I run, like, a 9-minute, 9.30 mm -hmm. mile, or I can even run faster than that, like, at the end of a race before the accident. I was trying to run those paces. And oh, like, yeah. No, my heart rate was like 190. Okay. And they're like, you have to get your heart rate down to like 160, 165, stay right. in, in between there. So for the back half, the latter half of my racing, um, I had to start monitoring it. I would use my Apple Watch and it would tell me, your heart rate is 168, your heart rate is 170, your heart rate is 180. Slow and down. so I knew when I got to like 172 beats per minute, I needed to back off my pace. Mm -hmm. And so that, and then I'd also have to drink water. And I also found that when I drank water, even if I didn't slow down, I could actually see my heart rate drop a little bit. My body wasn't working as hard. And so that was how I started getting through those longer races. Did I get some weird looks about like, we're running four miles. Why is this random chick wearing a water pack? Do you think you were just projecting that or do you think? No, there, really there was a few people that like raise their eyebrow like, okay like a little like the like you know you know the type the runners are like really skinny i, they, I run by the, myself the like the really skinny ones they wear very short shorts they always have a headband like they're in the call on me music <laughs> video and they're just like oh you with your 11 minute mile pace and your water pack and i'm like yeah i do wear a water pack and yeah i do run really slow is right that now. is that in the running group you'll kind of get some of that yeah but my okay. recommendation if you're intimidated by running groups and i had a few people reach out to me and say I don't know how you join these running groups. I'm so afraid of it. Find people that are around your pace and make friends with them. So Lauren and I run a very similar pace, somewhere between like that 10 and 11, 30 minute mile race. And so I made friends with this lady named Erica and I started making friends who were in that 10 to 11 minute mile pace and we would all run together. Did you find them in the running group? I did. Okay. So find, make friends with people in your pace bracket so to speak like if they're a little bit ahead of you or a little bit behind you those are your people those are your tribe make friends with them really yeah it was the until best you can outpass until you can outpace them they're like peace out guys we're not yeah, friends anymore bye. i can Moving run better than you yeah <laughs> no but it was it's also very helpful like you know when i thought i was running too fast it'd be lauren yelling slow down from like a block away and i would slow down and like she would either catch up to me or i would catch up to her hmm. and also something you had told me was like don't be afraid of walking yeah. And I was thought, oh, but, like, we talked walk, about running yeah. last time. Okay. And I was like, I felt like walking was a failure, but it wasn't. You know, sometimes I needed to get my I heart walk all the time. Yeah. When I need to get my heart rate down and no matter if I'm slowing down and I'm drinking water and it wasn't happening, I would walk for 20, 30 yards and like watch my heart rate monitor mm -hmm. and watch it drop back into the 150s and then start again. Sometimes I just I need that break, especially if I'm running hills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, I love running hills. Oh, I, I love big old hilly. Mm -hmm. I was living in Liberty. And that's where I used to run in this neighborhood. And it was nothing but hills. Yep. It was always uphill. Always. It was great. Oh, man. That, it would kill may, you. Maybe I'm a sadist if you haven't gathered that at this point. But I loved running the hills of Loose Park because they're so extreme. And you don't... You don't Loose Park. Loose Park. Loose Park. South of the plaza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't... Like, if you drive by, you don't realize it. But it's basically oh my gosh. up, down, up, down. Yeah. And there's, like, very little flat. And I thought that was the best thing I could do was make it as hard as possible. But, you know, as we'll come to learn when I was in the race, that did, that actually was a very smart move. But it probably wasn't enough. All right. So you're on your pace to do what you want. And you're getting closer to your to the race. Mm -hmm. Did you have any setbacks? Like, were you still on pace from... Your three miles to, you know, your Labor Day pace to, you know, one of close the, to like, did you have any setbacks or was everything was training going pretty good? Some of the setbacks I have is when I was getting up above four miles, like inching up above five. Mm -hmm. I started having issues with um, 
with my injuries, like my hip, my hip had gotten knocked out of place. Um, still have some muscle problems with my like core as well. And it started, the pain became almost unmanageable at times. And I started having to roll out. I was texting my doctor like every day, like this hurts. And he was like, you need to build in more rest days. And so it was, it was odd. I felt my injuries at the beginning of training for this race and I felt them at the end too. And so the real setbacks I had were that. And sometimes, you know, I'm going to be honest, it's hard to motivate yourself. I just had a really hard day at work. I just worked a nine hour day when I'm only supposed to work eight and it's like 85 degrees and I have to go run. I'd rather be at Mission Taco with my friends. And the best thing I actually did was I expressed how much I hated some of those moments to people. And I Mission Taco is overpriced. It is, but it's the closest taco place to my house. But um, I I would express that. So my work wife, Colleen, I'd be like, I don't know if I can run five miles. I don't want to do this at the end. And she's like, the way she always positioned it to me wasn't like, oh, you can try. It's like, yeah, you can do it. You've been running for like six weeks. Of course you can do it. She's so blunt. And she almost made it seem like a, a conclusion. Like, yeah, you're going to run it. You just have to go out and choose to do it. You've gotten this far. You can't you give get, up now. That's pretty much what she told me. She's right. like, girl, you run like four days a week at this point in the worst temperatures. Like, you can do this. This is nothing. You just have to tell yourself you can do it. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's kind of, it changed how I motivated people and how I comforted people too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is in, in the regard to comforting people after the accident, I didn't really know how to tell people about it. Um, luckily I didn't have to tell my mom and dad, Anthony had called them and, and then I actually just like posted on Facebook, like, Hey, I was in an accident. I just got out of the hospital. Things are going to be rough for me. I'm very lucky to be alive. Don't know what things are going to look like. And then everyone starts texting you and they're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. Let me know what I can do to help. Mm-hmm. And what kind of, I wouldn't say bothered me, but what I learned from that was I almost died. I don't even know where to begin asking for things I need. So saying, let me know like what I can do to help puts it back on the person who's hurting, whether it's someone who had just experienced a loss or it was me who has injuries or what if it's someone with cancer who's or who's dealing with a major sickness is that you're putting it back on them. And sometimes they don't even know what they need right now. And sometimes they just need you to be a friend and show up and hang out and watch Parks and Rec with them. And so I even saw this recently when um, the girl who lives behind me, who I'm friends with, she just had a baby. And when she got out of the hospital, I didn't say, let me know what I can do to help. I said, can I bring over a meal to you? Mm -hmm. And maybe this is a little bit of my work like marketing coming into play, I want to give you something to react to, something tangible. You can say yes or no, or you can give me a different suggestion from there. So in that case, it was, hey, can I set up like a meal train for you and have some people bring over meals for you and your husband so you don't have to worry about cooking? And she was like, yeah, okay, that's great, but make sure they're gluten-free. So it was a yes, but also she added more context. And that was um, one of the most helpful things some of my friends did for me. Can I come over and help you clean? I know you're not getting around very well. Or my work wife saying, hey, I picked up all your Your work work wife. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So my best friend at work, we call each other our work wives. Even my boss is like, you two are like the Bobsy twins half the time. (laughs) And she'd be like, hey, I picked up your reporting for you. Or I picked up this project. And my boss and my other two coworkers in Chicago, they really split my work across them. And they basically said, here, do you need help with this? And they didn't really bother me. Actually, I tried to go back to work too early. And this is when I think I really realized I had a brain injury. I had the same conversation with my work wife three times in an hour. And she's like, you need to log off. My boss would not let me come back to work. She's like, as your supervisor, 
I am not letting you come back to work at this point. She would call me every night to check in, but she's like, no, you can't come back to work. Colleen says you're basically a space cadet. And nice. basically, and it was, oh my gosh, I was like an alien for two weeks. That's hilarious. Yeah. All right. So when you were getting your, so you're getting your little setback, are you, are you taking anything, any supplements while, while you're training? Any so, protein, like protein drinks or creatine? I, I don't know if women so, take creatine, but. Um, I used vital proteins. And so basically it's a collagen supplement. I would put it in my coffee, mix it in with creamer every morning. And basically what collagen does is not just helps my hair grow out, which was originally why I was using it. I'm trying to grow out a chin length bob, but it was also helping my muscles and joints repair faster. And that's what collagen does. Basically it helps any connective tissue, Mm -hmm. including your hair, which I don't think is a connective tissue, but um, it helps it repair quicker and grow out longer. So it was helping my body repair faster. I'd come home from these long runs. I bought a foam roller from Amazon. I'd roll my legs out. And then I would use Young Living's Cool Azul, which is like a supercharged version of Biofreeze on my legs. Oh, cool. Um, I used ice baths at Woodside, which is a gym, my gym in Oh, West you Wood. did the ice baths, huh? I did. Woo! Woo! I, after a while, I was able to do like 10-minute shots of it. And so basically, I would go- Just your waist in or your whole body? I would do my waist in. I couldn't do above like, like my lungs for some reason. That freaked me out. <laughs> so I just- would sit there and I would let it like basically recover and I would get out and then get into the hot bath, feel my muscles and my tendons expand again, sit in there for about 10 minutes, go back in the ice baths there for another 10 minutes. And then sometimes I would try to go up to like 12 if I could. And then I would get out, change my clothes, go home, roll out, put cool Azul on my legs. And basically my legs would be like little meat lockers until bedtime. And so basically I was trying to like reduce the amount of inflammation one I had from the accident and two the new micro injuries I was making to my muscles in real time. Mm-hmm. And that was a recommendation from my doctor. Um, I also used um, CBD gummies and CBD oil to really um, not just like help me reduce my anxiety and like some of the nightmares I was having about the car accident, but it was also helping my muscles like kind of relax a little bit in a natural sense. Wow. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like you actually, you didn't just say I'm going to train and just run but you also did all the extra stuff when you're not running to train mm-hmm. it was it was really weird it, w- it was at first always from a car accident you want to do this is pretty yeah i mean you definitely took some positive out of it did they catch they caught the people so did you, they caught the people i they caught the girl I why think. did the girl run she if she's the, just the passenger why do you and you just met this dude on tinder why just why like, what are you running for you know i i don't know i didn't understand um, but I've never no really sense. heard anything else. Idiot. Yeah. I really don't know what happened. And I'm like, you don't know what happened. Me? They didn't catch the guy. They don't really tell me anything. What? They don't tell you anything. Shouldn't yeah. they? Cause you can sue. Like, I mean like how, who's paying for all of this? My insurance, my car insurance did. Hmm. But shouldn't that, I mean, would it be nice to find out who did oh, it and then he can pay, you know, he can pay there. for your, I'm just waiting for the day. Like they find them or like my insurance goes after They didn't after find him. them. I don't know. Just, I mean, they found the I'm going to be honest. I don't even know if the KCPD even looked that hard, to be honest. Oh, my god! But I think it'll be if it co- anything comes of it, I think it would be for my insurance. But how would they not? I, how would they not catch the guy? It was his vehicle. His um, He ran and I don't know if they ever found him. And I don't think the girl <clears throat> ever said like said who he was. She just said, I met him on an app. I only know his first name. Hmm. I call bullshit. On yeah, I do, too. But. But I mean, they got his car, like yeah, so chase the VIN number. Oh, hey, Mr. Jones. Oh, well, that wasn't me there. I wasn't there that night. Yeah, I, I think if it, anything, it would have to come from my insurance. But 
I'm I'm just gonna let it go until for some reason someone calls me and says, so you don't you know who did it. You don't know who did it. I don't. To this day, I don't know who did it. Oh shit! I thought this whole time you knew how. Mm-mm. That's gotta suck. It's it's very weird. It made me angry, and that's kind of why when I was running this race, I started raising money. I'm like, what they did was horrible. Not just like you know, drinking and driving, running running off after an accident. That like you don't know if like me like any of us are dead or alive. You didn't you didn't they care. Don't care. You just ran. You thought of yourself more than you thought about doing the right thing. So I was trying to offset the bad karma they put into the universe by raising a ton of money for homeless animals. How did they not catch them? There's cameras everywhere. Oh, God. I don't know. That, that, that just drives me nuts. That's yeah. got to drive you up. Are you, have you come to terms with it? Are you pissed off? Or? Oh, I'm, I'm still very angry about yeah. it. And I, have, I ran into them. I don't even know what I would do in that case. But I just kind of hope like maybe something civil will come of it. But I'm like, if you ever call me and say, hey, we found them. We're going to do something. Oh, I will be there in the front row. Full petty in the front row. Oh, my gosh. That sucks. Yeah. It's, it, it's very hard to come to terms with that, to be honest. And I think the best thing I could have done is kind of that mindset I always have, which sometimes is healthy, sometimes isn't, is that I'm going to try to make something good out of it. So right. in this case, I'm like, I'm going to raise a bunch of money for animals. And unfortunately, Anthony told me it was insanely petty because I know the girl's name, actually, from the police records to donate it in her name. Oh, nice. <laughs> I really wanted to. He's like, no, that no, just do it in your own name. You get to claim the good. She doesn't. I don't know. I kind of. I'm petty. I'm like. Petty Crocker at heart. I like it. I, I, yeah, I like that's. I, I, I would have gone with it. Yeah. I, I would have supported that decision. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I actually raised um, a little bit shy of $250 for people. And I didn't even really care about the dollar amount. I cared about how many people that really wanted to buy into my mission to offset what these two people had done. And um, also just raise money for a great nonprofit here in Kansas City at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I got a bunch of my friends, $5, $10, $20 co-workers and then um did i mention to you my car also got stolen this fall oh yeah yeah i've had my car stolen down there when i used to live down there so a little side <laughs> sidebar about my life i'm like as if the car accident was not enough in 2019 right. just kick you while you're down um i had just picked up anthony from the airport he'd been on a work trip and then we were sitting there in the living room watching man in the high castle and he goes your car is rolling out of the driveway and i'm like what my my first thought was did i not put it in park, in park and it, right? and my, my driveway sloped a little bit and did it just like i'd be freaking out. out oh shit oh my god did i leave it in neutral right. like what happened and then i like run out we both run out barefoot because the way my living room is set up i'm only about like 20 maybe like 10 yards from my car i make eye contact with the guy stealing my car we have motion detecting lights we have a nest we have surveillance cameras everywhere and the guy just did not care. No fucks given. He got in the car and he just like drove off. He hotwired it. We have the video from Nest. Did you catch him? No. Again, KCPD did nothing. <laughs> you want to. Hey. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Can I use the restroom? Yeah, please do. You want to pause this? Let's pause this real quick. We're back. Hey. Everybody. Sorry about that. But sometimes. Nature calls. Nature calls. Yes. And it's usually me that interrupts a podcast to go potty. So no. I'm glad it was you. To- <laughs> glad it was you. I'll take it. So we were uh, let's we were left off about your car was rolling and you uh, ran out in your bare feet to go see what was going on. And this dude looked at you. The nest cam got on him. And I said, hey, did the c- cops catch this guy? No, no, no. I, I a detective called me and they're like, would you like to prosecute if we find him? I'm like, yeah, obviously. Of course. And I will be in the front row when you do. Boom. And with that drunk driver. So about Maybe it was the same guy. 
be real ironic if it was. That guy stole, stole <laughs> that was a stolen vehicle that hit you <laughs> from the guy that stole your vehicle. Yeah. Actually, they suspected at first it was stolen, the car that hit me. But I never heard anything else. Insurance won't tell me anything. Cops don't say anything. So whatever. But so about a week and a half later, it was a Thursday. And my mom, like as she's trying to get on the transplant list for a kidney at KU Med. And she needed to get some like heart, like heart testing done, which is how she found out she's going to have bypass surgery tomorrow, January 13th, if you're listening to this. And uh what happened was I was sitting in KU Med and I get a notification on my Nextdoor app and I had posted my car and it was a very memorable car. It is a yellow Prius C. It looks like a rubber duck. It <laughs> is, everyone like was commenting on Twitter, that is the ugliest car ever. And I'm <clears> like, well, it doesn't stop it from getting stolen, which is what I was hoping, but apparently not. Um, I'm pretty sure it's behind this old abandoned meth house. I'm staying with my aunt right now. And I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to be a snitch, but I can tell you where your car is. And this guy tells me. And who was the guy? Was it some? I'm it don't, was just some I'm random just saying, dude. Was it some random some dude random, reached out. Some random dude on LinkedIn saw the post. And I'm like, oh, cool. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I see your car. Nice. I'm staying with someone. Yeah. And so <laughs> I'm sitting at KU Med, and I send a screenshot to Anthony, and I say, hey, can you go look? Go look for this car. And so on his lunch break, he drives to this part of town. He's like, no white dude in a new SUV should be in this neighborhood right now. I am scared for my life. <laughs> like, And I'm like, okay, a little weird. But he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's your car. I'm pretty sure I can see like your Star Wars bumper stickers on the back. So what we do is we call the cops and we're like, can you get it for us? What do you need to do? And he goes, no, you need to come get the car. I'm like, I'm sorry. Who said that? The cops? The cops told me to go get my own car. And I'm like, huh. no, I'm not just going to drive my car out of there. You're coming with us. And I want, like, police to be there. So they send out one, like, they send out one dude. I would have had it towed. That's what I wanted to do. They wouldn't let me do it. And they wouldn't let Anthony drive it away. And I'm like, the keys are at home. He can go get, get it. Well, it's your car. You made the police report. You have to come claim your car. I'm sitting at KU Med with my mom trying to find out what kind of heart surgery she needs. Luckily, there was going to be like a two-hour break where she wasn't going to have any testing, but they had to wait for another doctor to come in for some extended testing. My parents are like, yeah, it's fine. We'll just go get something to eat. You can go. So I have to take an Uber from KU Med out to where my car is. Oh, you took an Uber there, I had to take an Uber, and Anthony met me there. And I go, and I'm like, yes, definitely my car. The car interior was destroyed. Tires Sm- I bet it bald. smelled awful. Oh, it smelled like meth. I didn't know what meth smelled like. It's not a Yankee candle smell. I'm like, it smells like cigarettes and really sweet. And the cop's like, that's meth. And I'm like, oh, God. And he basically was like living out of my car. My tires were completely bald at this point. <laughs> he was meth head. He was driving it he like drove, a meth they head. Think, just they think he like drove it. No, they think he like drove it somewhere. It had 2,000 miles on it. And how long? About a week and a half. Yeah. So basically, drug run. I don't know. I'm not asking questions. There was a lot of miles on it. And um, basically, he destroyed the interior of it. Like, cigarette burns everywhere. Just the whole thing is dismantled. My tires are destroyed. He, he drove just, it like, like he stole it. He drove it like he stole it. Literally, like, now we know where the phrase came from. My, like, my yeah. beautiful, my baby, my Hell 2015 yeah. Toyota Good Prius. Good for him. Seat. Just imagine that. Like, that- 
grand old time. He I'm was just having, imagining just like Thelma and Louise, like yeah. him hitting like a speed bump in Brookside and going airborne in my Prius <laughs> with the Star Wars stickers. And also, here's what I want to know. Methed out. Just, just loving like, life. Like, does this look like a dude who drives a Prius? And I also want to know, what street cred points do you get for stealing a yellow Prius? We called it the Pika Prius, like Pikachu from Pokemon. I'm like, I just imagine him being like, hey, I just stole this car. What do you think of it? And they'd be like, it's a fucking Prius. Like, what are you doing? He said, bitch, it's a car. You ain't got one. I don't care what it looks like. Right. So basically, I have decided at this point, I I thought I was never going to see my car again. It was a week and a half at this point. And I had kind of looked at some cars. I looked at like the Hyundai Kona. I wanted something with all wheel drive. I wanted something a little bit bigger. And I just mentally checked out of my car. And after my car smells like meth, it's destroyed. I'm like, I'm cleaning this up to the best of my ability, and I'm trading it in. So you went through the middle. You went. You took an Uber. Was it in the middle of the day? Middle of the day. So, so okay. So you went there. Minutes, yeah. Started it up and just took off. Yeah, and the worst part was I saw a guy drive by in a BMW, which I'm also assuming was stolen with a Glock sitting on the seat. And I'm like, this is how it ends. Yeah. I have watched enough crime shows, and I'm a I'm a blonde chick in a pre st- taking this car back from behind a meth house. What could Man. go wrong here? They're I like I peeled I peeled out. And I like drove it in the driveway. Cops came over, took um, fingerprints, but I've decided I'm trading this in and I need to figure out how to get this traded in. So I kind of knew I wanted the Subaru Crosstrek. And <laughs> so I clean and I know. So I call the girl and I'm like, hey, I want to come test drive a Crosstrek tomorrow. My boss said, hey, go ahead, work from home, take the afternoon off. Did, on so Friday. did you claimed it stolen, but then got it back? I got it back, cleared it. Basically, I also so found out. Did you get police- anything out of it or just a big like. Just whatever. They didn't even report it as stolen. The VIN number was never marked off, which is important to this story. So (laughs) I and I did the most white girl thing ever. I took my Young Living essential oils diffuser. I ran an extension cord out of my garage. I put it in the seat. I hot boxed my Prius with essential oils to get the smell of meth out. I'm not mad at that idea. But it was brilliant. It actually made it smell halfway What flavor decent. did you use? I used tea tree and eucalyptus, like the cleanest Ooh, nice. scents I could think of at this point. And I drove it around the block, windows down, got it cleaned up. Did that work? It did. To the point that I was able to trade it in and get what I owed on it and bought a brand new car. Really? That's impressive. Yeah. Basically, Subaru did me a favor. They were just like, we'll just give you what you want. And they're like, well, you've been through some shit. The <clears throat> VIN number's clean. They're just like, take the Prius oh, okay. away. Nice. Um, then I just put some money down, drove off with it. And it felt kind of sad. I'd been through so much in that Prius. And I'm like, but I cannot drive this car. No. And so basically, I, I got this new Subaru Crosstrek. And so... The worst part is kind of a good thing, too, is I never expected not only would I buy a house and have to buy two new cars in a, in the same year. Anthony's car, he had a electric vehicle totaled. And so then he went out and got a, a Mitsubishi Outlander EV, which is basically an SUV that's electric, which is kind of an oxymoron, but it works. Did anybody else get hurt in that accident? My father-in-law actually had like a scratch on his eye, but I was the one who took the beating. Really? How come? How so? Just that's Angle. where just the angle and they basically told me if anthony had not tried to turn out of it he tried to like snake around it um if i would have been hit at a perfect 90 it would have killed me oh they're gosh, like you would either like you'd be lucky to be paralyzed and oh, this is the first yeah, thing the cops so comes in. lucky i know and i'm like sitting there like oh. hooked up to all of these things and the cops are like we'll try to find them bullshit by the way and <laughs> sitting here and they're like you're lucky to be alive your husband turning out it changed the angle you hit a light even though you hit a light pole and everything It changed the angle at which you were hit and you were hit a little bit higher up and you weren't hit straight on. So it's like I had like fair injuries. 
God, that freaks me out. Because it can happen to anybody. It really Nobody. It, there's no preventing. There was no a blindsiding T bone like that. That just. We had the that grain, just happens, we had everything, you know? and we were a mile, like two miles from home at this point, because we'd have been north of the plaza. You're not doing anything wrong, and then some asshole gets you. It's Jam- just, oh. Oh, we're jamming out to Casey Musgraves, driving home. It's about like 11.45 midnight. I'm tired. I'm like, I just want to go to sleep. I just want this day to be over, and boom. Ooh, I got a question for you. So I don't yeah. I don't know who Casey Musgraves is, but it's some kind of music, I'm assuming. Um, When you hear that song... Now, have you heard that song since the accident? I ball when I hear Rainbow by Casey Musgraves. Is that the song also, that was playing? It was. Okay, so now what happens? You cry when you hear it now? Yeah. Can um, you listen to it? I, can, I can't finish it. Right. Because it's basically talking about like you've had all these bad things happen to you, but there's a rainbow hanging over your head. Wait a minute. That was, that was the that song was that was song, playing? Rainbow. And she was singing about like, you know. <sighs> You know, take Boy. down your umbrella. All this bad okay. stuff is over. You've had a rainbow hanging over your head. And we were singing along. And that's a lot, one of the last things I remember before the big darkness. I don't even know if the song was playing, but I, we were just singing along to like um, the highway. It's a Sirius XM station, like new country. But music. that was a song when you that get hit and then you turn around and do this shit. Wow. OK, mm-hmm. so what being that close, were you? You assume you're pretty close. You were pretty close to death. Yeah. You had to have at some point been like, holy shit, like I've probably super, super scared. So I didn't have enough time to be scared. And I'm kind of getting choked up talking about this was I saw something dark coming at me. My last thought and I told Anthony, had I died, I wish it would be on my on my gravestone was fuck me, Martha. This is it. (laughs) I remember that. I remember seeing something dark. I remember a flash about a light pole. And people ask me, did you like see a white light? Did you see like dead family members? And I said, no. I'm not asking any of that shit. Oh, no. The only thing I remember was almost like a like an AI simulation. I remember like there was a snap. It was like a two second memory because I still dream about it sometimes. Um, whenever my dad would come home from work and when I was growing up, he drove a red 1992 Dodge Dakota and he would pull up. He'd come home from the plant. He'd have his duffel bag. My dog, Pongo, she was a rat terrier. She would run out. My dad and I would run outside with my dog and I'd go greet my dad every night when he came home from work, especially in the summer when I like I'd be home from school and he let's say he got off at four. And it was this memory of I it was really bright, like real bright white light. And I remember like walking towards my dad's truck and he was getting out and my dog. And it was like all I remember then snap, then black. That's kind of cool. It was kind of cool. I was like, it was like, it wasn't like a memory of anything, but it was like, I mean, kind of, but it wasn't like a specific memory. Like I remember this happening. That's a feeling. It's more of a a feeling. And it was like very bright white light. It was like summertime. It was very bright. Like I could barely see. And I remember like in this like snap, the dog was like running around my feet I saw my dad's truck and I heard him go, oh, hey. And he's got this like real big voice, like like Larry the Cable Guy, but even more energetic. And I just remember like hearing my dad and being like, oh, dad's home from work. And then nothing. And that was like and I still sometimes when I'm stressed out, like the day of the race, I dream about all of the red and blue lights of the ambulance or car, whatever police came. And then the the truck and the dog and bam, I'd wake up in like a complete terror. What has this kind of done to your like outside of so you 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 kind of distracted yourself and made yourself do something positive with the run but have you thought about like i don't know afterlife type stuff does this does something like this like make you think about that it really does and like you know and and make you believe something or not something or 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 what does it like i don't know 
you know, I was raised Christian and I had like a point <coughs> in my life where I was closer to probably atheist or agnostic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm someone like I need to see tangible evidence of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually became Catholic after um, I just had like this moment. My friend Duke had cancer and it came on. It was like a cancer that only affected like older men. It was like a rare type of kidney cancer. And I remember it was Palm Sunday and I kind of was like, I just need to go somewhere and sit. And like me going back to my childhood, being raised Presbyterian, um, I was like, I'm just going to go to a Catholic church. And it happened to be Palm Sunday. And so I actually converted to Catholicism um, when I was like preparing to marry Anthony. And then ironically, after I'd been confirmed in the church, I went to work for a, a Catholic college. And so, like, that's a big part of my life. But even, you know, in the past few years, like, I, you know, I've kind of questioned things. I not like questioning like faith per se, but it's like, what do I believe about it? And what do I believe to be true? Like, I've been to Reiki masters and I've like done like yoga with crystals. I've been to mass. I've talked to priests. I've meditated. I've like really tried to expand my knowledge. And I think since then, I think it's almost been like, I wonder... I almost wonder if there had to be some kind of intervention because it was inches that saved my life and like a minor like two degree angle is the reason why I'm alive and I'm like how many things had to convalesce that day and how many things had to convalesce in that moment for me to stay alive and it made me wonder I'm like am I supposed to do something with this like am I supposed to grow and am I supposed to be a better person like is fate or God or someone putting this in my way so I'm forced to grow and I'm forced to move past certain things. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I know you're like I'm, deep. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Yeah. I even thought about that the day of the race, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you so you think there's an th- afterlife? Like you think there's there, all of that now? Like I you just, know, I think it really solidified or, that for me. Like there has to be something bigger than us and And you have something visible. bigger to do. Yeah, I have something bigger you to do. You were saved. Perhaps. Yeah. Like I don't, you don't think it was just happen chance you just happened to get hit that day just just like just that, shit happens like that i mean day particularly sheer numbers of how, ma- how many times you drive how often you drive how many people are driving how often drunk drivers are driving and how often they and, hit and percentage how did I end wise up on that road and like why did ways take us that way i even remember we were crossing the buck o'neill bridge and i'm like why aren't we on 29 and 71 because we live like mm-hmm. off of Troost and rock hill road i'm like why are we on this road he was like, I don't know. Waze told me to go this way today. Maybe there's an accident. Like, how did I end up driving through Midtown instead of, like, taking 71? How did I end up <clears throat> north that night? And, like, how did I end up getting hit so perfectly that, like, if I were going to be in a car accident, it was the best case scenario? How did that end up happening? Just, yeah. It was just, like, too many things, like, too by many minor design, points, huh? like, butterfly effect. Like, it was almost, like, by design. Like, a weird sim, like, surrounding your sim with stoves but not actually killing it. So you think this was a grand design to make your life better? I think it was forced to maybe not make my life better, but to force me to grow. I think force me to be a better person or to examine myself. You know, we were kind of joking like offline. After the accident, I realized how many things I cared about that I probably shouldn't like blogger things, influencers, like who's posting what, Mm -hmm. what I thought about like certain parts of my career or whatever. And I realized when I have to pair it back to I'm alive and I need to figure out how to get to the bathroom that's 10 feet away, you start really realigning your priorities. So like the first thing I wanted to do is like I want to be able to go upstairs because I love my house or I want to be able to go back to work because I I believe in what I'm doing or like I just want to go back and be around my coworkers and boss. 
and like it was like the way I had to scale it down like I need to take care of myself I need to take care of my family and people in my inner circle I'm going to go back to work and like continue doing bigger things and better things and it was like I started extending out and it was almost like I had to reorganize my priorities at that point and I even see a change in the way I influence or post on Instagram I see that it's different now like I don't want to tell you what I'm doing, but I want to give you something that's actionable and something that will actually mean something to you in the long term. Like, for example, I posted the other day, I hate goat cheese, but I don't tolerate cow dairy very well. Let me tell you how I got myself to like cow dairy. You put either soy sauce or coconut aminos in it, it kills that pungent taste. And I want to give you something that you can either use in your kitchen or use in the gym or use if for some reason you get a wild hair and decide to run a race that you're not prepared for in the slightest. So you're still, uh, you're still blogging? Yeah, I'm still blogging, but I think it's, I think in 2020, my content is going to change. I think I, I took a break from it for a few months because I'm like, I got to, I got to take care of myself stuff, yeah. and I got to focus on getting through all of this. Mm-hmm. And now I can focus on going back to blogging and changing my content and building business. So where did your goals like, so you ran, oh, well, let's finish your race. So you got the race, you raised money and you finished it, right? <laughs> no, I wish it was that easy. Really? So what happened actually was the day of the race 90 degrees all the way through training but for some reason the week of the race it dropped to like 30 degrees and it was a downpour the day of the race this oddly one of the other smart things i done was if if i had to run a race if i had to training run that day i ran it rain sleet shine i ran in the rain in the dark on a friday night at loose park things i learned baseball caps are helpful more than any other kind of hat because it basically serves as a little porch for your face mm-hmm. um you don't want to overdress. Actually, I wore it the day of the race. It was 30 degrees. You would think I would have thought two months before that I would want to wear a jacket. I wore a long sleeve tech shirt. I got on Amazon for $13, Lululemon running leggings and a Sasquatch hat. Nice. Yeah, it was this hat I had gotten in the Ozarks. It has Sasquatch and it says, I believe because <laughs> I just wanted to make it, it weird. I, I was, love it. And I was like, I don't know if it's actually going to rain. <clears throat> and something told me as I was walking out of my house, um, Anthony was going to drop me off and I was getting ready to get in his car and I was walking out and I'm like, I'm going to grab my Squatch hat and I put it on. Best thing I had done because it was a downpour the entire race. It was so oh, cool. Sucks. I had to stand under the awning of um, Blue Cross Blue Shield and stretch because it was raining so hard that I just like, I God, wanted to you stand didn't, the shield. You didn't think about, fuck this. I'm going to go, I'll, I'm going to wait for the next race or just do it. It was like I'd come this far. Ugh. Can I tough? Can I tough it out for the next hour? But that's a whole nother game. It was like a whole nother. Been, it changes the game entirely. That's a, yeah, that's a whole nother sport. Yep. And what I told myself was, I had ran a couple times at Loose Park in the rain in the dark. I'm like, you've done this before, and you know you need a hat. You know you need a long sleeve shirt. And you also know you need some kind of rag to wipe your face off because your face is going to get wet no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that drove me crazy. So, under Blue Cross Blue Shield, I do my pre-race tradition. I always um, wear the same earrings. It's like a weird thing. I have this tiny plastic pig from a farm supply. I had that in my backpack. It's my lucky pig. It's don't superstitious. Are I'm, you? I'm actually very superstitious. Catholic. Yeah. I was wearing like a Catholic cross, a necklace <laughs> my parents had given me that said believe. Like you wouldn't know this, but I'm very like regimented. I had my Brooks running shoes, Lululemon leggings, Amazon. Oh, basic boy. Stick. You're one of those. I am. That's like, definitely like catholicism built into you oh yeah it's like baked into me like i have to do these specific things so i feel comfortable i got my sasquatch hat and i remember i went and got in the rate in line i knew i ran about an 11 minute mile got with my people and it was raining and i'm just like you've got to be kidding me like like it was like 
God playing a very practical joke on me at this point. Like, I'm going could, to make uh, this the worst possible conditions to run in. It is dark. It is 6.45 in the morning on a Saturday. It is raining. The rain is going sideways. Oh. Yeah. And I got in line and I just stuck my hands in my pockets and I'm like, let's do it. I'm here. And so I took off running down Grand. You got to get River comfortable Market. with being uncomfortable. You do. And like, that shit. That's, I don't care. You, Even if it's, it's just a 10K. It's I mean, a psychological thing. Like. I'm going to like I'm a mailman and I would have issues with that. (laughs) I hated every minute of that race. I'm going to be honest with you. Everyone's like, was this this great triumphant moment? I'm like, I hated every second of it. Okay, you (laughs) hated. I guarantee you did. It sucked the whole time. And I also. But when you were done, how good did that? How good did it feel to be done? I started crying. I'm like, I did it. Oh, my God, I did it. Like, I didn't believe I could do it. I was coming down the hill back towards Union Station. I burst out crying at the finish line. But that six miles was something else. I felt like I was a hobbit in Lord of the Rings. So you take off down Grand. You run all the way down into, like, the Garment District down by, for some reason, this is my point of reference. You run past the Sprint Center, the FedEx, the UPS office. You turn. You kick around. You go out towards 18th and Vine. (laughs) And so I'm running down this road. I'm listening to the Hamilton soundtrack. And I'm thinking, I hate everything. I run into Anthony and how's he? And he goes, how's it going? I'm like, I hate all of this. That's what I yelled back at him, actually. And in another weird chance of faith was I was really nervous about the race coming into the week of it. But the ironic part was everything went to hell in a handbasket at work. And I was helping like my boss work through it. And I was working through these projects. And I met this guy named Brock, who also works at my company, And one day we were sitting in a meeting that week and he was wearing a New York Marathon shirt. So I asked him, are you running Kansas City? Turns out he does. Turns out he runs about the same pace as me a little faster. So I'm running through 18th and Vine and I'm like, I can't do this. I'm alone. Like like the negative self-talk started coming in around mile four because it started downpouring again and it was slick and my feet kept sliding out. Wet feet. Who wants to run with wet feet? I can't. I couldn't deal. And all of a sudden I look and I see that New York Marathon sweatshirt. I'm like, it's Brock. It's that project manager from work. Nice. So I run up to him and I hit him in the shoulder. And so there's photos of us running through 18th and Vine together. And it was what I needed to pull me through to mile five. He was running the full marathon. So I turned off off like Paseo and 29th Street. And it's this big hill. The hill that I'd prepared for. Ooh, look at I you. Knew it was nice. Bad. Heck yeah. I didn't realize that the hill going up to that hill was actually worse. Oh, really? It's that hill. Um, it goes past all those townhomes on Paseo. It's steep and it's long. Yep. And we ran together. We talked. We joked around like, hey, we could be at work. It could be worse. Like we were just <laughs> like making jokes about work and talking. But he told me something critical. And I think he must have been also put in my like path like a Gandalf or like a Glenda the Good Witch to help me. And he goes, downhills are going to be slick. That last mile and a half for you is going to be really slick and it's really hilly. You have to be careful. Slow down on the downhills. They're muddier than they think you are. And so I was getting ready to turn off on 29th Street to kick back towards the um, finish line. He was going to keep running and he grabs my hand and he takes one AirPod out. I could hear it. He was listening to Madonna. He goes, run, bitch, run. And he (laughs) grabs my hand and away he goes like my fabulous project manager, fairy godmother. And he starts running towards Waldo and I turn off and I just like crank up the M&M at this point lose yourself because I'm basic and I'm like I'm just going to turn it up mom's spaghetti let's do this <laughs> and I didn't realize and I ran up this hill that I've been preparing for that first hill once you turn west off of the Paseo and I'm thinking that hill bef- behind me was actually worse and I'm maybe that's a metaphor like all the hills I'd come to before that were actually worse than the hill I'd been mentally preparing for but he had he probably saved me from an injury 
I go up that first hill, go down, everything's fine. Go up an even bigger hill and go down that hill. Everyone starts wiping out at the bottom because they didn't slow down because they didn't train in wet terrain. I'd slid out a few times in my training runs in the rain that I knew it. I didn't realize that how many of the, how many <clears throat> points of that were going to be muddy from like, you know, water just running along the right. streets. And there were this couple that fell out. And the one time I stopped during the race was I helped them both get up. I was like, I'm not going to let you do that. But there was this one girl. So backtracking, one of the things I do when I race, especially the last mile, I start finding people that annoy me. It's, I don't like your yoga pants. You annoy me the way you pass people. And that motivates me to pass them. <laughs> this one girl, she ran a little bit faster than me. She was consistently about a minute's pace ahead of me. She jumped over them and just kind of like laughed at them for falling. I was like, oh, wow. bad sportsmanship. And that just set me Is off. Is she hot though? Mile. No. <laughs> I'll just keep it 100. Like, no, like not at all. And... <laughs> And so I just start running and I could see her stupid pigtails and I'm like running after her. And finally, so you, so go, you could trip her. No, I, I just know. wanted How to pass her. I be? wanted to shoulder check her for like that bad sportsmanship. And I'm like, wait, you'd be doing the same thing. And I finally caught her. So you run down 29th Street, you get all the way down to the World War One Museum and you turn right and you go back towards Union Station. And that's the end. And so I finally pass her right before that corner. So I could see on my watch. This is my moment. I don't even care. I was going from like 1130, 11, 10, 30, And I was clipping back nice. up to that race pace. And my body was almost like a car that's going too fast and overheating. I'm like hurting. I could feel my injuries flaring up. I'm like, nope, I'm going to pass this check. And I start running. And even I saw Anthony text me, slow down, because he could see in the app my rate, my pace was dropping really quickly. Oh, he so, can, oh wow. Yeah, he can see that stuff. So he saw me drop from like an 1130 all the way to a 9 and then an 840 the last quarter. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like, come on, you got to end strong. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, one of the things Nate, who was someone, who's a friend of mine, a mentor, when I worked at that agency told me was, I need a mentor. You need a Nate in your life. You really do. And he would always tell me like, you never can picture the worst case scenario. You have to picture the end, the best case scenario. So when I hated racing, I pictured being able to see Union Station and the finish line, that last quarter mile turn. And when I Go turned on. that corner, Go on. I Wait, felt... that's the best case scenario. Yep. See that finish line. You can see Union Station. You can see the food. <laughs> you... huh. And like I'm thinking a couple dime pieces in a bikini with a couple beers in each hand. <laughs> just like, waiting. That, that's best I case scenario. Be, I'm, like, yeah, I'm coming, ladies. I'm <laughs> coming. I'm going to be there. I hope they're IPAs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm running. I can see that finish line. I can see the bananas because my legs are cramping. I'm like, oh, good. And I just like booked it. 8.44, I think is what I topped out at. And I start running. And But the problem was the closer I got to the finish line, I started wanting to cry. Oh, yeah. And I start getting emotional because I'd picture that, like my friend Nate said, I have to picture the best case scenario. Finish line, Union Station, you can do it. You can see it. They're going to hand you your medal. And I'm even getting kind of choked up talking about it now. And... I could see the medals. I could see Union Station, the big tent that said finish, and you go underneath of it. Yeah, wow. I start almost crying and running. I almost gave myself an asthma attack. I don't even I don't even know if I have asthma, but I was like, <laughs> and I get done running, and I'm like yeah. doing this weird like hairball thing again. That's how we began, and it's how we ended. And Beautiful. I'm like trying to grab my medal, like, <laughs> and I grab it, and that's when like I actually like started to cry at that point because I'm like, oh my god, you crazy bitch, you did it. You did wow. it. And all, and then I saw Anthony coming towards me. He took all these photos of me. He brought me a banana because I'm limping. I am limping hard because that, that last mile where I started getting faster and faster, probably closer to like two miles, I'd, I'd kind of hurt myself. I'd push myself beyond my limit. 
one, it was the longest distance ran- I'd ran. Two, it was the fastest pace I'd run in months. And I probably kind of hurt myself. So I'm like limping along. My hat is no longer like absorbing water. Yeah. It's just like dripping. Right. And I'm just like soaked to the skin. I'm limping. I just like banana, banana. But it, I don't even think like what I had done had fully hit me. I, I didn't because I had went to a macaroni and cheese festival that day because my work wife was like, you know what we should do after you run six miles at seven o'clock in the morning? We're going to go to all you can eat macaroni and cheese festival. Interesting. Yeah. Best thing I did. It actually carb up, carb up like in reverse. And it was I don't even think it hit me for a day, to be honest. What was that next day like when it hit you? I felt like a truck had hit me, but I could barely walk again. Back to the beginning. physical pain or physical the or pain. the mental like excitement and, and just jubilation of like holy cow and accomplishment. I, it was more. I didn't actually feel that jubilant. Like I think I was more focused on the fact I'm like I can't walk again. Here we are. We're back to square one. But I think it hit me when I got this thing on Amazon that lets me put up all my race bibs. But underneath of it, you can hang your medals, mm-hmm. and it's hanging in my dining room now. And it was this weird moment of like you did it. You can hang your medal, and I just kept looking at that medal. Like, I couldn't believe, like, I had that hardware. I'd mm-hmm. done it. I didn't walk. I didn't really stop other than then to help someone. I just, it was very odd to me. Like, I was almost, it was surreal at this point. Wow. Then my car got stolen, like, three weeks later. So that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so when you got done and accepted it and, like, hey, I did this. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Were you like, all right, what's my next, what's my next thing? Do you have a, another thing that you're motivated to do or are you just uh, going to work on yourself now and just live life like is there or is there so, like another challenge you have? I think I'm cautious about challenges now because I see not the damage I'd done to myself, but like I didn't really let myself heal. Like I was always just like <clears throat> looking for the next challenge, trying not to think about how I felt, achieve, achieve, achieve. And it makes you kind of feel hollow. So I'm like more conscious about doing things that are more fulfilling to me and creating content that's actually actionable and more fulfilling for other people at this point, Mm -hmm. really focusing on like what people get out of this. Um, I think one of my goals for the spring is I want to get back involved with some of those running groups. I'm not someone who likes running in winter. I'm too accident prone for it. Um, I don't know. I, if a half marathon will be in my horizon, I think 10 K like 10k is good 10k it's good and i i won't always full i will never fully recover from it like i have some like damage to my hip done i have like i'm still dealing with the effects of the brain injury and i mean i'm fine with topping out at a 10k i might try to run one or two a year join a running club i still run like four or five miles pretty consistently i go to loose park every sunday and i run except for today um so i think some of the good day not to run yeah no joke gross so things I'm working on is building a beauty counter business, helping people find safer beauty, um, working on photography, but like not, not being this hustle hustler anymore. Like maybe I am in the sense that like I'm trying to build businesses, but not as much of a social media hustler and not someone who's always looking for like the next hit of dopamine I get from an achievement or something. Wow. Look at you. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's like a big change, right? Right. It's less about achievement and more about creating depth and creating like meaningfulness, like being more invested. How many, uh, social media influencer type people that gain somewhat of a following and popularity end up having a near-death experiment experience or a life-changing event how many of those people end up doing that same thing we're like what am i doing why am i on why am i spending so much energy and stuff on instagram that's you know the interesting part about it is 
when I stopped influencing to influence and like fitting into that mold of being a wellness influencer, I actually lost a ton of followers and I it, it hurt for a second. And then I was like, this is who I have to be as a person in real life. And if you don't want to stay, that there's a button up there for that. Go. That's fine. And I lost people that were like influential bloggers unfollowed me and that that's fine. And I kind of learned I'm going to go ahead and make my own way and not try to fit into a mold. But to answer your question of how many influencers have done that, you know, I love following um, weight loss bloggers like uh, Weight Loss Hero. She's lost like 135 pounds, like got out of a bad relationship, um, quit smoking, and she's achieved so much despite what has happened to her. Or Kelly Roberts, her brother died, and so she decided to take out marathon running. And I'm interested in people who use influencing not as a way to get themselves forward or their businesses forward, but more as a way to create depth for themselves and other people. And I find myself inspired by that. Like um, two influencers that really, they're influencers, but they're more influencers because of what they do. I would say Jason Kander and Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye are two of my big inspirations now. Like they stepped back from achievement or they use their like their platform so to speak to help other people whether it's with PTSD or Jonathan Van Ness coming out with his um, HIV positive status and talking about it and saying you know if you knew all of the pieces of me would you still love me and helping people find that authenticity and find a way forward through bad things and so I find myself inspired by those type of influencers more not about the people who are like buy the things I sell on Instagram it doesn't do much it does nothing for me to be honest at this point I can't handle it I I don't follow any of those. I mean, obviously they're not my demographic. They're not aiming for me. But mm-hmm. those those, what I find a lot with these uh, at least Instagram influencer type chicks, is they're all married to some rich husband that's paying for them to do nothing, whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have a job. They just have time on their hands. So they're like dressing up with fancy stuff. And getting people to take their pictures and just pretty much i mean that's all it is i mean that's all on instagram uh, uh, not all it is but you see a lot that's a large there's, number there's a very much uh format to a lot of influencing and i've even seen this locally is that they're upper, well, middle, yeah. well, upper middle class white girls they have the access to photographers they have the ability to go out and buy the newest thing from a boutique that's mm-hmm. way overpriced and they can go ahead and <clears> fit that mold because influencing is like there's an inherent amount of privilege with it's that. It's gross. It's, it's so gross. I can't handle it. And I never really fit in with that crowd. And I, I you know, it kind of sucked to be feel like I was always an outsider and like, you know, the social media or influencing world. And then I, I came to terms with it and I'm OK with it. My demographic isn't going to be someone who wants to buy these earrings or this detox tea that you're shilling on Instagram with an affiliate link. My demographic is people who want to incrementally get better, no matter what that means for them or where they started, mm-hmm. you know. I don't care if you shop at Whole Foods or you buy these expensive meals or whatever, but like if you're shopping at Walmart and you pick up vegetables because you want to do better or you pick up a cheap pair of headphones, a Dollar Tree or something, and you decide you want to start running, you're my people. Hell yeah. You're trying to take what you have, no matter what, how good or bad it is, and you're trying to make something better out of it. That is my audience. It's not, it's not the typical influencer crowd, and I'm kind of okay with that. I'd be good with that. Oh, yeah. Why not? Yeah. I'm not into them people, but mm-hmm. they're not into me either. Yeah, they're not into me either. Keep it. Yeah. Yeah, we're not, we 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 play we play a different, you know, we play by different rules over here. Mm-hmm. So I don't give a fuck rules. Yeah. We're not playing any kind of fucking standard that they have set. Click my like to know it link like that. Uh, now keep it. No, yeah. not my thing. However, no. I would like more followers. Yes. Same. So, Neander Talk Pod on Instagram. Follow me. 
Hey, I'm at Teresa Malley on Instagram and Twitter. I'm eponymous. If you want to follow me and follow my cats and my cheap meal hacks, go ahead. Yeah. Cheap meal hacks. Yes. I'm all about that. So what's, uh, what's your future? Just more blogging in 2020? You're going to start taking that over and kind of be more of a positive spin? Kind of yeah, how to empower yourself? And like be... how to empower yourself, how to use the tools you have available to you, whether okay. it's a cheap pair of headphones, whatever, what you've got, make something good out of it. That's crazy. You don't meet a lot of people that are always trying to improve themselves. And even ones that end up in like life altering situations or or wake up calls, you don't always necessarily see them make a big change. So it's inspiring to see this. Well, thank you. It's cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the pod today. Hell yeah. We'll do it again. I like having you on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm sure we could keep going. Mm -hmm. I mean, once you get started, you just keep going. Yeah. I've been... (laughs) I got 12 words in this whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's a Teresa Malley show. I've actually thought about having my own podcast. Yeah? Yeah. You'd be good at it. You'd be good at it for sure. Yeah. Do it by yourself or have guests or which I would have guests. My idea for a pod is like highlighting people who aren't like traditional social media influencers like you or small business owners Mm -hmm. or the people who would typically be on a podcast, but they've achieved something or they've created something. And like talking through that. Yeah. Well, you got some competition. You're looking at them. <laughs> it's about what I do. I just <laughs> you talk. could be my first guest if I ever saw I would. I would trust me. I would love it. I think you should do it. Cool. Thanks. If you got the time for it, you could easily come up with something like that. Mm-hmm. I uh, I would love to help you if you need help, have questions, cool. whatever. I might have to hit you up on that. Please do. You wouldn't be the first person I've helped out with that. I love doing it. That's I'm passionate about helping local podcasts and getting people started. Yep. In fact, I've I have a someone that was just on the podcast recently. She's gonna start one. I'm helping her start her soon, and I actually mentioned her you to her to have as a guest. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I'll have to hit you up if I want to get that started. It's something I've got like marinating in the back of my mind. I just need to like decide I want to pull the trigger on it. Man, this was this is cool. I can't mm-hmm. believe how this. It's nice. It's, it's it's inspiring to meet people like you. Like now, I'm ready. I haven't gone to the gym yet this year i took all of december off i I was going i was going every day for months and then my busy season at work came and so i was like all right i'm just going to take december off because my body can't handle it Uh, and then i'll get back to it in january and it's january 12th today and i haven't gone yet this year so i'm going today getting back into the swing of things yep same i was really busy through december with work i was traveling for a wedding christmas but you're inspiring me for it thanks well no i actually have only worked out once this year i've had pneumonia for two weeks oh my this is like the first day i feel like normal good yeah i'm glad you came here i'm glad we got you on here with your normal self (laughs) well thank you um i think you should do are you going to do that every year at least you should do that every year that marathon the 10k the kc 10k for that project pet project are you going to do that like every year that's my hope like you know hopefully i'll start a family soon so i'd have to probably take like a year off of running at that point but i think every year that i'm able to run it i want to run that 10k and see if i get better every time you will i hope so well you got anything you want to say here? Last no, well, last words here. This no, was awesome. You're really inspiring. I hope people took some inspiration. I hope people will follow you, your blog and uh, your Instagram. Again, tell people how mm-hmm. they can find you and follow you and, and get this inspiration from you on a weekly basis. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Che- where? Where can people? Let, let them know. 
Oh, if you want to follow me, as as I mentioned, uh, you can go to TeresaMalley.com. And I'm also on Instagram under first name, last name, Teresa Malley. You will know it when you see it because there's a lot of cat photos. Boom, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. This was awesome. Uh, that's it. Bye. 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 <laughs>